No, it wasn't. It was an under nineteen player. Right. Okay. And and a favourite of you blokes. Oh no. Not the hamstrings Poleski. Oh no. <laughs> It's a grand old flag, it's a high-flying flag, it's the emblem for me and for you, it's the Welcome back to the Nodcast, the avid Nodcast fans. We're proud to be back after a couple of weeks of lockdown and have we got an episode in store for you. As always, I'm joined by Sam Deegan and Rob Mann. Deegs, Rob, how are you boys? Good to be back in football? Yeah, good to be back. Um, I didn't actually play, but yeah, everyone... Uh... Seemed to be enjoying it, which was good. Um, Not all about you, Deeks, but good, good to have the other 140 Mazinov players out of the field on the weekend. Mate, I'm just answering your question, all right? <laughs> Rob? I was, I was fortunate enough to be out there. I was pumped. Um, it's great to be back. It was, yeah, that, that lockdown sort of snuck up on us and combined with the buyers, obviously we're out of action for a little while. So great to be back. And it was a big week of footy, so keen to get into it. Certainly was. Now, the one advantage of the lockdown is it gave us some times to get our lawyers to work and we've managed to land a big fish, come to a contractual arrangement, which has got the uh, big kahuna onto the Nodcast. And so a man who shouldn't need too much introduction, uh, we welcome the El Presidente, Matt Backhouse, President of Mazenod Old Collegians Footy Club. Welcome, Matt. Thanks, Stevie. Yeah, great to be here. How are you going, Deegs and Robbie? Good to see you all, boys. Great to see you, Matty. And that that, that was a bit of a um, reduced biography that you read there, Steve. You had a bit more that I thought you were legally obliged to read out. Yeah, there was, but there's there's what you sort of say in the boardrooms as you're doing these deals with his agent and there's what you actually deliver on the on the <laughs> night. So um, we're, we're happy to have him on. We've been, we've been working on this. We, we probably haven't really shared that much about what's been going on but we've been trying to get him since round one and he just had no interest in in getting on a sort of mickey mouse publication early in the season but as we've started to gain steam and we've sort of torn past a thousand two thousand listeners all of a sudden the interest peaked and it's pleasure to have you matt was it um was it a difficult decision in the end agreeing to join the nodcast well, it's when you started adding money to the checkbook. It was like, uh, I probably need to accept this offer now, purely and simply because you've reached the threshold that I only accept offers at. So, yeah, yeah, you got there in the end, and I'm glad that you uh, were able to come to the financial rewards that I deserve. It's, uh, it's all about the sponsors. I heard there's more. Um, so, obviously, the past week with all the Alistair Clarks and Jeff Kennett uh, at Hawthorne sort of drama going on, the fans have demanded Matt Backhouse this week because I think this might be the first, the first week we've only had three wins from seven club, uh, from seven teams for the week, uh, the year. So, oh no, the pressure's the music so sort of, of, yeah, the face the music type um type night. So it's not going to be all fun and games for a little bit. I think there's a few questions <laughs> that the fans want answered. Oh jeez, oh don't worry, we'll be asking a lot of questions of those coaches of ours. I can tell you. <laughs> And those senior captains, although he did win, so that's okay. Yeah, no, we, we got over the line. Don't worry, Matty. Did out, held up our end of the bargain. Well the done, thirds mate. I'm worried about, and we'll get into the post-mortem bit later. Yeah, season's <laughs> done for us. Um, so, Matt, we'll, we'll just start with what all the people want to hear about, and that's the, the movement that was swelling over the course of the year and has now hit fever pitch, and that is the new jumpers, which we'll 
I, I think we're pretty close now, aren't we, to more or less signing that one off for next year. Do you want to talk to us where, about where that one's up to? Yeah, okay. So it's, it's been a pretty long and arduous process. And, you know, being put in a position where we have to buy new jumpers next year to, to meet the VAFA needs in relation to sponsor logos, um, my, my sole purpose of the whole jumper change was based around um, if we're going to invest a hell of a lot of money on new jumpers, we've got to make the right decision. So whether that be go with the existing or go, let's get a feel for there's been a lot of positive commentary around, around the Founders Day jumper. So there was a number of hurdles that we've had to go through to get to that, um, to get to the stage where we can actually go to a, an opinion poll, I suppose you'd call it. And the first step was is getting the jumper approved by the VAFA. Um, if we were to make the change, yes, we could change it to that. And we had to give them data, et cetera, on how many jumpers that we would clash with, which is about 12% of the VAFA teams. Um, we then basically had to go through, you know, we've done a really long consultancy phase because there's so many stakeholders in the Masnod Footy Club with, you know, past players, life members, Masnodians, um, current players. Um, and there's been a lot of blood, sweat and tears and emotion around that jumper. And there's a lot of premierships and there's a lot of people that have invested heavily in that jumper. So we needed to make sure that we had their approval and their, and they felt consulted and a part of our club. So we've spent most of probably half of June and, and pretty much all of July consulting with every life member, every past president, um, all the playing group, um, the Masnodians, the paid up Masnodians. And they've, they've all given us great feedback and not everyone's on board. It's, it's um, you know, and that's a hundred percent. I'm not emotionally invested in the outcome. I just want to make sure that we spend the money wisely. And um, we've now finished the consultancy phase. So we're actually now in the decision-making phase. So we've got two weeks now where everyone will be given an opportunity to put in their yes, no, or abstain from voting. So at the moment, you um, uh, you know, there were messages sent out to the entire playing group last week where they can say um, if they've got an opportunity where they want to vote against it, they can actually message me privately so no one needs to know that they voted against it. Um, but if if we don't hear from them, we're taking it as a positive that they are happy to make the change. So that'll, that'll conclude on the 15th of August and hopefully we can make the announcement by um, the last round at our vote count night. So, um, but... It's been really positive um, from the life members, from the Masnodians, and and every past president was on board. So it's looking more and more likely, but we're not there yet. So it's been a long process. And uh, the Nodcast listeners would know that we've been following this story very closely. and We were the, the first to break the story earlier in the year that this was sort of swelling. Um, interestingly, if we did change, and, you know, not to, not to presume anything, but... Is there any um, – I know there's a number of players currently that would be very keen to be involved in the the fabric, deciding the fabric, deciding the, the sort of the subtle details. I know Simon Hall's got a tailor that he goes to see often to sort of adjust his jumper before a game. Is anyone um, that you've sort of seeked out to sort of discuss those sort of smaller details once the design's locked in? Well, there is a guy that you've mentioned on the Nodcast previously, and I think he's known as the Body. Is it? Is it? Uh, he's he's a he's a senior player, or I think he played in the Resies on Saturday. But he's generally been most of the seniors, and he's we've actually used his him as a consultant, and uh, because I think he's I think he has an Italian heritage, but he actually thinks he's African American, and oh. uh, and. Uh, yeah. 
I know you're talking about. Yeah, I don't want to say it's his the, name, but the, the chisel. The chisel, that's a little it. Chisel. That's a little chisel. A little chisel, oh. yeah. Oh, so he's right. been, okay. He's actually mentioned that he'd like spandex because it would show off his rig a little bit better. Um, yeah, and I know. And Hawley has approached me about stain. So I think there's a few in the thirds who might abstain from the spandex idea. Matt, we probably don't quite have the physiques to pull that one off. Well, we are trying to cover for all types. So we're actually thinking of getting Spanx on board for the thirds. Oh, yes, and then, uh, and, uh, and and we are taking Hawley into consideration and 100% pure wool for him. So, you know, yeah, I know he's got yeah, a tailor. I'm sure he's trying to get a Puma, a Puma logo on there somewhere as well, I reckon. Absolutely. No doubt at all. They've helped us with the design. So why wouldn't we? Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. So for those that don't know exactly what's been sort of proposed, it's the traditional Founders Day jumper with uh, on the inside a, a clash white jumper. Is that right? Yeah, that's 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 one hundred percent spot on. We're just having a few um, prototype issues at the moment, and we're just waiting for the the next prototype because. Uh, the first prototype, they could see the black coming through on the white when we reversed it, so they're just going to fix that. So we're still hopeful that that can be fixed, and it would mean that every player has a reversible jumper instantly. They keep their same number, and um, we can make the decision on the day. You know, if, you, if you're playing away, and um, you know you can choose to wear the black or the white. You're wearing white shorts, you can choose to wear black or white. Um, jumper it's up to the coach or the team manager or whatever they want to do at the time but everyone will have one yeah we've also catered for the uh defensive line or the back line of the seniors and with the long sleeves so you know Mm -hmm. i've noticed tubsy's the only one who doesn't wear the long sleeves and when guns you've got guns like tubsy of course you're going to show those off yeah yeah i can't i can't see him rushing into a long sleeve jumper even if if it is the black or the white strip digs you started wearing a long sleeve this season haven't you no, surely not. Absolutely not. Uh, the only reason I'd do that is is just for sun protection from the arms. <laughs> um, but if I was to do that, I'd want to get hats going as well. So, no, I'm a I'm a short sleeve man. I wonder if uh, I was I was just thinking with the reversible jumper. Do you reckon mid game swap? If it's just not working out in the in the in the black jumper, do you reckon quarter <laughs> time? It's, well. I've seen it happen twice, Deeks. I've seen this twice in my career. Once was Jake Walton at quarter time in the thirds earlier this year and he was best on. And the other time was Mighty Ducks halfway through the June of Goodwill Games final against Iceland and they won it as well. So it's undefeated. I I reckon it's a brilliant move. Great coaching tactics. In round three this year, actually, um, Peter Banfield brought one out from the old coaching trick book where... He got us all to take our jumpers off at halftime, put it up on the hook, go for a walk around, you know, do what you need to do and then come back a couple of minutes later, put your jumper on. We're restarting. We're going again, sort of change the mindset. <laughs> so there may be some merit there. If we've got the option for a different jumper, you need a, you need a new team in the second half to come out, new attitude. You're obviously the other benefit, Maddie. <laughs> The, wow. the other benefit, of course, of the reversible jumper is if you decide to rob a 7-Eleven on your way home, it's <laughs> useful for just the old, just, you know, when you're walking away later on and you're wearing something different. Um, very exciting. And for anyone who does want to see the jumper designs, you've got the digs, loves the old dad jokes. Look at him just smiling away <laughs> there. The, um, the, if anyone wants to see the jumper designs, they're obviously up in the in the club rooms down at Central Reserve, so you can see the posters which are 
up there for your dissection. The other probably question, big question, Matt, obviously where what, two-thirds of the way through your the first season of presidency, how are you finding the, the job so far and obviously picking up from Jared last year who took the reins for a season that didn't wasn't played. It's it's been a bit of an unusual one. How how are you finding the role and how's the club traveling? Look, that's a really good question, Steve. I've actually really enjoyed the role. I've, I've missed coaching. I've missed the contact with the players. So I try and get there, you know, to as many games and that sort of thing. But the presidency has been really, really good because it's a different perspective on footy. Um, I've been very, very blessed to have inherited a magnificent executive committee of which you're a member. But, um, and we've got, you know, to have um, such a great committee who are all dedicated to their roles and, um, you know, they're a really good support. Um, and I suppose the hardest thing for me has been learning to let them do their roles, um, being a, a manager at work and uh, having multiple people reporting to you, you've got to allow people to do their roles. And so um, that's been one of the main things. I've really enjoyed the presidency. Um, it's tiring because there, it, it is, uh, there's a lot involved and it is a fair bit after hours and, and, most nights of the week and it's all day Saturdays when we're playing at home and that sort of thing. But um, it's extremely rewarding. And and the best thing I'd say about the club, I think the club, other than the COVID period, which we can't do anything about, but I look at the success of Founders Day, that was probably a true test. And, you know, we were throwing a curveball on the Thursday before Founders Day with one of the fridges breaking down and we couldn't get it repaired in time. So we had to hire a trailer fridge and we, we got a result. And, you know, I was there at 10 o'clock at night loading the fridges and making sure we had cold beer and, you know, but being able to have both ovals. And that was purely and simply just a phone call out of desperation to Glenovely Hawks. And uh, they allowed us to use their ground. And, um, you know, that was, to me, that was a true testament of, of our club coming together. And it was a fantastic day. And, you know, even after the last few weeks <clears throat> before COVID, the feeling around the club, and I had a chat with Sammy Michael one night, and just the feeling around the club on a Saturday night was how, how good it is and how many people were there. And Corey Martino said the same thing to me. He said he's been involved for a long time. And he said, and the feeling around the club is really good. So I talked that up to a, being successful for us. The other thing that I'd say is, is that, you know, I spoke to Peter Banfield at the start of the season and I said, you know, Pete, win-loss ratio is important as a coach. I said, but if you're making our club a better place to be and people wanting to be, that's success for me. So, and uh, and I said that to him last week. I said, people want to be back around the club and, you know, let's, as soon as we're able to train, let's get back training because people want to be there. So it's been really good. Oh, there's two big victories that I've noticed this year, Matty. And I want to know... Um, if this is a, your leadership, since we've been at the top oval since 2013, we've never had access to the scorer's room or the the big screen. And this year, in your first year as president, you've, you've secured both. I just want to know exactly how you went about it. Well, first of all, um, it was the previous committee with Chris Smith and Paddy McKenna that started that whole process off. Um, and, and last year, because... Of, last year what it was it, it sort of never came to fruition so we knew that we and they had a new committee they Richmond Cricket Club were a very difficult committee to deal with and those guys did a really good job bridging bridging the relationship um, all we did this year was 
um, we continued that on and we just persevered with it. And so all we did was finalise it and, and put a, a memorandum in place. So we've got that scoreboard for the next four years um, and, we've, and we've sold our old scoreboard off. So um, the fact is, is that we're paying them to use the board and it's income that a cricket club needs because they don't have the funds generation like we do. So it's, uh, it's, it's, they're seeing them and, and they know we're good for it because Dom's really, really good at, at making sure we pay our bills on time. So, um, you know, all I did was um, finalise the piece. And Paddy McKenna, even he organised the software and he put it all in place. And so it was just us. Dom and I just got the signature on the on the memorandum of understanding. and um, But they did all the groundwork. So that's that's how we put it together, mate. So it's, it's been a revelation having that scoreboard. Yeah, I'll take that as that was all you. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, it's all me, mate. I did everything. <laughs> Teamwork makes the dream work. It yeah, is so, a um, it, it it is a great thing to. We were having our vote count after our game on the weekend, and being able to just glance out the window and actually see what score is, rather than trying to squint at that tiny little old scoreboard we used to have, is a great luxury, and is no doubt why people. Obviously not at the moment where spectators aren't allowed, but when spectators are allowed, people are just coming in the masses down to Central Reserve. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, guys, let's jump into the games from the weekend because we obviously got our footy back and it was a very weird and interrupted preparation for the games, I would, I would say. We got the decision Tuesday from the Victorian government that the lockdown would be lifted, which more or less left one training session and a resumption of games. Um, the seniors, Rob, came up against the old foe, old Ivanhoe, who I think until earlier this year we hadn't lost to since the 2013 grand final, if I remember correctly. And obviously they got the better of us earlier in the year. But in a close one out at old Ivanhoe that gave anyone watching on the app a bit of a heart attack when the app froze with us a point down. Uh, we were victorious 11-16-82 to 11-10-76, winning by six points. Great win and good to chalk that one on the board against another finals contender. Yeah, it was one of those games where, as you said, having the, the few weeks off and then getting the call on the Tuesday and realising that not only are we going to be playing, um, but we're going to be playing probably a, a season-defining match. Um, sort of snap guys into gear pretty quickly. And, and before the game, I think everyone was pretty nervous because you, you didn't know what to expect, um, having only trained one session and not played for five weeks. So, but... To our credit, I thought it was probably our best performance for the year as far as what was at stake and, um, you know, the way we went about it. Our pressure was super, really physical game. It was a real grind all day. And then we lost um, Osbert Tallis probably halfway through the, the second um, with a hamstring. And then we lost Tom Warby at the start of the last um, with a hammy as well. So we were playing two down for essentially the whole last quarter. And then um, they kicked the first two of the last and hit the front and we found a way to claw back and then they got one late and we hang on. So we hung on. So yeah, super game, really good, even contribution from a lot of guys. Um, Liam Riley came back and played a really good game. He hadn't played since founders day, which was really impressive after such a long break. Um, and then some of the, the young guys really stepped up when it counted some huge efforts from Liam Sherlock in the last quarter to sort of um, intercept the ball and um, keep it, keep it um, ball security same with Jack Sullivan and, and Matt Fuelings played a really good game. Um, so, yeah, nice contribution across the board, but awesome to get the win and puts us in a really good position for finals now. So as long as we keep winning, 
should be looking good. There's obviously, you, you touched on a couple of the injuries. There's a few guys across the club getting injured at the moment. There seems to be a real trend, though. I know you mentioned Tom Warby with the hamstring, Sam Deegan also out with a hamstring. Is there sort of some sort of hair-coloured hamstring-itis type thing going on where, I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't checked in on some of the other boys, Walesy or anyone at the club, but any any links there? Deegs, do you have you, you and Warbs, I don't know, similar conditions or...? I think it's just the, the I think it's no just condition. aging bodies, mate. I think me and Wall's pretty old. Um, how old are you, Diggs? Pretty old. Pretty old. Uh, old 23? Nah, nah, I'm older than that. 24. Um, <laughs> oh, so yeah, getting yeah, on. Really I'm, getting towards, I'm getting towards the back end of my career and the body's failing me. I think the, um, I think the similarity between Warbs and Diggs, obviously the, the red hair and and the it's it's two things probably. It's the the penetrating kicking. And the explosive movements. They both put themselves in vulnerable positions with the way that they go about their footy. And um, if you've seen Deegs play lately, he's explosive. He gets in the air. He tries to take big hangers. Yeah, you, maybe that's a lot of pressure on your hammies. Probably that's probably where it started from. I reckon Steve it was the takeoff going mm. for mark of the century. Probably took off on my right leg, and yeah, the, the, extra, weight carrying, the, the extra weight I'm carrying. weight I'm carrying. The hammy wasn't. Um, wasn't ready for it. It's probably that's probably where it started. I, I said to you at the time, Diggs, that Gary Moorcroft ended his career when he took flight, <laughs> and you haven't played since. So just these things, these things can come back to haunt you. Um, Diggs, Rob, we really need you to come back, mate, because we've got to get you up on the ultimate resi. <laughs> <laughs> I've only you missed are. one game. I've only missed one game. To be fair, so the the, the lockdown um, and buyers came at a good time. So. Hopefully back this week and, and yeah, you can take a video of me going for another mark of the century if you want, <laughs> Maddie. I can't hang on to it this time. At least by missing a game, you've you've opened the door slightly for someone else to run you down in the BNF. So that will be and that this will is be gonna look so bad the season. The egg on your face, Steve, because I won't finish top ten for starters and it'll be over by round four. Um I won't. I won't mention who who the favourites are yet because I reckon we'll do that later on in the season. I'm guessing, but I, I think there's. I think it's a one-horse race, really, to be quite honest. And it's not. It's not me. <laughs> I'm glad you, you put that little bit at the end. <laughs> well, <laughs> Rob, you injected back into the middle on the weekend. First time you played midfield in a while. Was there? Some yeah. Sort of... So I've been sort of used as a bit of utility this year, sort of. Enough forwards, enough back. Um, on the weekend, on th- oh, sorry, on Thursday night, first training back. First thing Peter Banfield said to me was, "I'm um, going to play you in the middle this week," and I was pretty excited about that prospect, and but a little bit concerned as well at the same time because obviously we hadn't played for five weeks, and you know, as a as an aging player, not as quite as explosive as Deegs, but you know, you, you worry a little bit that your hamstrings could go at any point. But um, yeah, it was really good. Thought that I played my role and it was really felt familiar and um, yeah, it was good to be back in there. So, um, especially against Ivanhoe, I like playing against Ivanhoe. I played it, a lot of played them probably more than anyone else over the years. So it was good to play against them and yeah, have a have a contribution to the win. One more for me before we move on to the resis. But old Ivanhoe had a bloke running around wearing number seventy-seven on the weekend. Is that correct? Yeah, I think that might be killer, they call him. So he kicked a couple of goals. Um, he's, he's a right full forward. 
Yeah, he, he snuck forward and kicked a couple of cheapies. But, yeah, he's not a bad player. Big boy. I think um, I think Jack Sullivan was sort of wrestling him to the ground at one point late in the game. But, um, you know, that's what we come to expect from our enforcer. Wow. Good, Skip. good number. One of the highest yep. I've seen. <laughs> Living up to the name. All right, let's move on. The resis on the weekend, Deegs, you obviously didn't play due to your um, career-ending hamstring injury, but you'll be back this week, as you tell us. Uh, the boys just couldn't lift in your absence and went down 7850, the 121183 against Old Ivanhoe. Yeah, I I went down just as a um, – I know we weren't supposed to, but just as a ground manager, just ob- observing and making sure there's no other Masnod um, – fans down there so that was my role for the day um and just watch it like big gale blowing a gale down to one end uh sort of we started all right but we're uh, we're kicking into the wind in the first quarter so sort of held on a little bit they kicked a couple of goals um kicked cup goals early held on sort of for the rest of the quarter got our opportunity into the wind in the second quarter and then I think we sort of went down by a couple of points at halftime, um, still in touch. And then, so Ivanhoe then uh, kicked six or seven goals in the third quarter into the wind, I think, and really put the uh, the game sort of out of reach. Or even though, um, even though we sort of had the wind in the last quarter, still still a long way to come back. And and they kicked a couple of early goals into the wind in the last quarter, which sort of put it out of reach. But still, not a bad effort. Um, they're top, Pretty good. Ivanhoe. They're top, yeah. So I think they they might have only lost one game for the year. So um, yeah, so well, second well, they sit a five at the goal moment. Loss, you've, got, so. you've got Old Geelong undefeated and Old Ivanhoe okay. one game behind them, both with a very healthy percentage. And Mazinon's still hanging on to fourth at the moment by percentage. So still sitting in the finals mix at this stage. Um, yeah, and we've only lost to those two teams. Um, not by not by much. So, with with a couple of reinforcements to come, if we are lucky enough to make the finals and and potentially come across them, I think we'd still be pretty confident that we can get it done. Um, but it was good to have. So Steve Wellswood came back, former Premiership Ooh. captain. So his first Mad game, dog. Mad Dog. Yeah, his first game for a few years um, at the club. Played with Jez and Joel, his brothers. So I think that's the first time that's happened. So. That was good to see, and um, you know, Steve loves a little little scrap, and sort of came onto the ground in the first fifteen seconds. He, it was a it was so close to breaking out, but didn't um, to bot from his doing. But then sort of got through ninety eight percent of the game, and then just couldn't help himself. And last <laughs> last minute, <laughs> decided to start start a little brawl, but. Yeah, all, all a bit of fun. Um, so he 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 was good. There's some sore Ivanhoe bodies this week, surely. That's what Stevie does best, especially with three Wellsfords out there. There would have been, yeah. and and they were Joel, Joel and Steve especially were throwing their weight around. Joel, I know, um, or flattened a few people uh, early in the game, but yeah. So Did he, they look he like was they enjoyed playing together. The the brothers. I hope so. I think I think it looked like they it looked like they did so. Hopefully, uh, for the rest of the season, that's we've got them uh, across some sort of line in the in the in the team. So, 
yeah, it'd be good to hang on to those three and hopefully all all firing uh, coming up to the last few few games of the year. Um, but the the other the other best players, so Matt Butera was good. Jacko D'Angelo uh, coming down from the ones was was pretty solid, and uh, Brendan Wales was really good as well. Um, and Brendan Wales um, celebrated his good game by we, we promote responsible drinking, but he he was telling everyone that he was going to try and drink a hundred pots uh, <laughs> at the pub that night. <laughs> Andre the Giant or something. Hundred. Oh, a hundred. You call him a centurion. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think when you when you play that game though, usually it's a shot. So he was trying to do hundred pots, which is. <laughs> but we, we've got a we've got a Resi's chat going um, in Messenger, and a few of the boys were inquiring throughout the night when he was going to start, and it seemed like he was warming up with about four pints. So <laughs> just to, to warm up, I don't think he ended up doing it. Um, is he known for his really? Is he known for <laughs> his large? I don't think he attempted at all. Uh, I don't. Oh uh, well. I don't really know. I don't really know. That's Obviously, a big statement to make post game. Yeah, I've I couldn't definitely do a hundred pots. Not even. Close. <laughs> I don't think anyone can. No, it's, it's fifty <laughs> pots. Oh, there's it's a couple 50. that could. There's a couple that could. I've heard. I've heard a couple of big centurion numbers. I know. Um, should we let to talk about this on on a podcast? But yeah. I know. Well, we started uh, for, now, so yeah. I know in Centurion, so you're drinking a shot of beer. I know um, former former player Chris Collins has got the highest number that I've ever heard of by a long, long way. So um, is it? Is, yeah, it's over double. It's, he retired past a double hundred from memory. I think it was above above two hundred and fifty is what I heard, and and did and retired probably could have kept going. So yeah, he, he, that he, is, he wouldn't have had a shower to go out. That <laughs> much. Two twenty eight wasn't it? I think though, um, obviously, it didn't impact him too much because he was doing a pretty good job in the discus at the Olympics the other night. For anyone, yeah, he was there, Yeah, he was, and he also found a way to kick seven in the reserves at Clayton. So he might be he might have to get him back to the club now. He's found a little bit of form. Was um, we allowed a we allowed a pop Clayton or? Can't be that hard to kick seven in the resis at Clayton, is it? Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't um, have to play in digs, so go for it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, so um, I think we've, we're a pretty good chance to make finals, the resi. So as long as we uh, we play well and don't drop any games that we shouldn't, I think um, hopefully we can hold on to that, to that last spot. I think the last round, the team who's in fifth, who are equal... Uh, equal on points with us play the top team. Um, so it could come down to that last game if we if we can if we can get a win that day and and well this is just forecasting. So yeah, but hopefully the Rezies uh, can can get there in the end. But yeah. Don't have much for you other than that. <laughs> well good. Appreciate that Deeks. Um, let's move along. So the thirds, we had our last game for the season oh, on the weekend. It's one been of, a bit one of, of a... the great disappointments this season after the hype of preseason. <laughs> it, it has been a pretty disappointing year. Um, and it was a bit of a flat way to go out, to be honest, after a relatively big build-up to then get in a shortened season anyway, get get kind of knocked around with a couple of lockdowns. So we, we ended up only playing what was an 11-game season, um, which doesn't... Uh, doesn't help too much, but we did finish the season on a 
relative high in the sense that we had two big milestones on the weekend. So Nick Clavins played his 150th and Sean Bamblett celebrated the big 112 Mm -hmm. after we discovered that the club had missed his 100th game 12 games ago. So we sort of retrospectively just gave him a big 112th on the weekend. So two two stalwarts of the club, obviously some some talent there, particularly in club. Um, So it was good for the boys to get down and celebrate them. We... We played the second of the, the Pencil Cups on the weekend, coming up against Timmy McDonald and the Ormond boys. Oh, really? And yeah, unfortunately, they did a number on us again. The final score, 18-17, 1-15 7-7, 49. Um, did, did Tim play? He did, yep. J- he did. Jagged okay. one early. He, um, so he's played Mazenod three times this year. He, I think he, he played just, us in the resis as well. Yeah, he, I think he just wants to play against us. He's, he's clearly not taking the divorce very well because he just seems to be down central every second week pulling the boots on. Uh, he, he played all right, actually, Timmy. Jagged one and, yeah, moved pretty well. Um, we we did welcome back a few guys who in total have played about two and a half quarters for the season due to injury. So Michael Pecora, who, as we've documented earlier in the year, round one, about a quarter in, broke his finger, came back, about a quarter in, did his hammy. And then fast forward and he makes his comeback in the last game. So great to see him out there moving really well. Did his hammy again, obviously, but still got about three quarters in. So definitely got his value for money from his subs. Um, Rob Leith made his comeback, I think, for his second game of the year. He might have played round one and then again round 11. So he, he moved pretty well and actually kicked three. I, I don't know what Tom was doing with the goals. Just looking at it now, he's just he's chopped them all up and given them to other people. But Rob kicked three. So that was pretty handy from him. A um, couple of other notables, the Giuliano brothers, Andrew Giuliano and Matt Giuliano, played their first game together ever, which was a pretty momentous achievement and probably would have taken some of the sting out of the fact that Andrew Giuliano brought a soccer ball to training so we could have a kick around on Thursday night and it got lost um, after after Josh Kawashi kicked it over the club rooms by accident. So, um, Oh, it's in the, it's in the switchboard. Tom DeYoung hit it there with these all the other footies that he hides. The, the, the irony of the fact that all season no one gave us any footies because they thought we'd lose them was not lost on us when we lost our own soccer ball <laughs> last session of the year. Let me tell you. Um, and, and then if it comes the back other one, overinflated, Marty McMahon no. found it. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure, Marty probably just stuffed it into his car as a bit of revenge for the the pain and trauma we've put him through over the course of the year. Um, and the other one, the, the comeback on the weekend, Timmy Houston, who who had one of the, for anyone that's seen the rest, the X-ray, one of the most mangled fingers and hands you've ever seen. The last time we played Ormond and he managed to get back out in the park and, and played some pretty good footy as well. So comes into next year with a bit of confidence. Um, and then we also had Aidan Noon and Chris Martin just wander down to Help us out on the weekend and uh, both both showed a bit. So I'm sure we'll be looking forward to getting back into the twos in the coming weeks. So it wasn't the best way of finishing the season, but it was a uh, yeah, it was it was a bit of fun and it was good to celebrate the two milestones for the boys. Can I ask a question about I've heard a few reports. So um, your team manager for the season, Dylan Tilly, sort of club club legend um, yes. that he's morphing into, he is he giving up? Did he give up on the thirds before the game? Because I've heard that he was dressed in Red Hill Footy Club <laughs> apparel, um, jacket, beanie, and tracky pants. Has what club? Red Hill. Uh, I don't know where that is. 
um, <laughs> up out in the country somewhere. I'm guessing. Surely but, not. It, it, that's confirmed. Not poached as a as a team um, manager. <laughs> I think I think Dills was a little nervous about the COVID restrictions and thought maybe yeah. rocking up in Masnod gear, even though he clearly had very specific duties on the day and was meant to be there, <laughs> might have been a bit risky. So he did did come down in a bit of red heel attire. And Dills obviously is a very fashionable man. He likes to just really put his best foot forward when he's wandering around with a clipboard on a Saturday. Um, and also, I think in, in his defence, his mind was a little rattled because we did our vote count after the game and he had the spreadsheets and the votes to to manage for that. So I think he was sort of focused on bigger things than getting dressed Saturday morning. I love it. Oh, if he's wearing Red Hill gear, he's, he's thought to buy some <laughs> incognito apparel from another club's website during the week, get it delivered, yeah. and then so he can wear it. There's I, a I bit of uh, Richmond Central queue about that, I reckon. Yeah. Uh, don't bring that up. That's a... <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah, think there's, uh, he's struggling for a buck because he comes to the counter and he pays in hundreds. <laughs> so we've got to go looking for change when Dill Kill comes to the window. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's, he's a, he doesn't believe in banks, Dills. He just walks around with a very thick wallet, which I think we've, we've mentioned before on the Nodcast. But I'd say if you need a loan from him, just go digging through his sofa. And I reckon you'll find a bit of cash. Well, what? when he opens his wallet, it's like those, uh, you know, where they, they put a band around it and it's got the, you know, the $1,000. Well, that's, that's still tills. That's what, it, that's what he's got in his wallet when he opens it. He, he, yeah. he he can, and you know when he's opened it because the Velcro rips. So you can hear, yeah. hear it coming. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he carries a few a few wallets from what I'm hearing. One for each pocket. Um, can, can I just ask a question, Steve? Another one, sorry. So... You said you did a vote count, so can you shed some light on that? Is do we know who the winner is, or did you do it up to a certain point, or how how that go? Yeah, well, we did it to three games to go, which um, in our season's only a few games in, but um, we 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 did eight games, so it's 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 still open. Um, so I think from memory, there's a tie at first, um, which is Rick Ruffalo, who's had a fantastic season and would probably be the odds-on favourite to. Tear home and myself, who obviously uh, just very aging, um, and I think we're we're on about ninety, and then I think there's a bit of a gap to Clavo on sixty, who obviously missed a few games through the year, which is probably why you know, that was the only reason he's he's a little bit off the pace. And then I think Joel Caffrey was sitting fourth in striking distance of Clavo, um, a couple of others just behind that who have had really good years as well. Jamie Satraro was there, who's been really consistent over the year. Um, yeah, so there, there was, I think, Scotty Veltman was in the mix. It was, yeah, it was it was good. But as you said, it was it was a pretty short season to be counting for. So we'll, uh, we'll see what so happens in the last three. It sounds like you've memorised that, Steve. Like, you know, you, you know exactly yeah, you where know. you're sitting, don't you? That's why he asked me to ask him that question. He, <laughs> he, wanted, he wanted to get that out there. No, no, yeah, just no. I, I, all I'm, all that's doing is setting me up for a really embarrassing moment presentation night when I win nothing. So no, no point celebrating partway through um no we uh yeah it, it was really good though i must i must say just uh, the opportunity to get all the boys together and obviously it's been a very interrupted season particularly for us given our season's a bit shorter so we haven't really had a heap of continuity of footy but just the opportunity to get all the guys together after the game and look back on the season that was and um tom de young who's obviously done a great job again as stepping in as the coach and you know marshalling everyone and organising and doing a lot of the thankless stuff that needs to be done at thirds level. Had some of his absolute best material as he got up and reviewed each of the games and he got one of the players up 
who had sort of done something notable in each game to give a bit of a review of that one. And it took us about five or six games to realize that he was just getting someone who got injured to get up there and talk about their injury. So classic Tom just um, playing chess when the rest of us are playing checkers. But no, it was a good, good day. Everyone, I think, enjoyed it. And we've obviously got a big, big pool in the clubby's punting kitty. So looking forward to having a big celebration in a few weeks' time. Talking about fun, like that, that's great that you guys had a chance of a function. Maybe it's a good time to sort of ask Matt about the functions that the club's got planned in the coming weeks because obviously we had to postpone a couple of big ticket items with the lot most recent lockdown. So, Maddie, what what do we got? What's in the works? Well, yeah, you're right, Rob. We've actually had to we've actually had to cull uh, M Factor for the year, um, which is really disappointing. So those guys who have been growing the feathers for their, you know, for their routine and, and uh, you know, been putting some work into it. I knew the, the Welshers were putting on a family, you know, I think they were actually going to do the Von Traps, but um, the, the, the fact is, is that we're just running out of nights and we're also stuck with a venue and, and capacity. So the priority needs to go to the reverse raffle, which is going to be on the 21st of August at this point in time. And that's, that's a terrific night because it's 55 bucks. It includes a four hour drink package, a meal, and plus the chance to win four large. So um, need as many people to sell those tickets and get on board. And that's on the 21st of August. And then, uh, so that'll be our next major function. Um, and then on the 28th of August, which is the last round, uh, we're playing at home. We're playing Monash. There's a luncheon on that day with the Past Players Association, which is being run by your future father-in-law, Robbie. And um, oh, I should that's, – that's if you go down that path with Molly. But anyway. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. But um, – uh, so, and that's the day we're actually during the game day. We're actually celebrating uh, some premiership reunions that day, and so we're looking after like the eighty-one reunion, eighty-one seniors reunion, eighty-five seniors, nineteen ninety under nineteen's premiership because they didn't get to celebrate their thirty years last year. Um, the ninety-one flags um, uh, and two thousand flags, etc. So there's a number of reunions going on that day, and then that night will roll straight into our vote count for our the rest of the team. So the, the third's already finishing. We gave them that so they could actually have a, a final send-off. And then uh, the rest of the club will finish up on the 28th. So uh, at that night, and then we go into final. So uh, the 19s will play their first final that day. So um, it, we should have some a pretty big night at the club that night. Hopefully we can, all, we can all fit it in. So we might have to, um, you know, make sure we keep numbers controlled yeah open up the doors or something have a bit of an outdoor one yep. in one out policy or something i know i had the privilege of playing in one of those premierships sure. and i know from our group there's a, a very very high attendance planning in the coming I think. So outstanding it should be a fantastic day absolutely yeah so uh and and you know the bar being open that that's been a revelation this year with the vaffer allowing us to keep the bar open till uh, the end of halftime of the senior game. And by being able to do that, we can get the resis to come in and have a beer. And it's been really fantastic. I think that's one of the, the great things about the club this year is people are hanging around because they can have a beer. They don't have to nick off to the, the bowls club. Not that anyone ever did that, but, you know, um, I'm sure we didn't there, do that. Is there any dogs. possibility that Thursday night meals will make a return before the end of the year? Well, um, we're, we're hoping to, uh, but we're sort of restricted by what we can do. And we're, and we're waiting to find out what happens next Wednesday. So I've got to get on to 
um, Helen Sherlock to see, you know, if we've got a plan there um, for next Thursday, if we can get out. But I know next Tuesday night, the seniors and the 19s are going to be training together. And we're planning on having a barbecue with the seniors and the 19s for next Tuesday night. So, which we'll, we'll just be cooking outside and we'll use our kitchen, et cetera. But um, we'll just be doing a barbie for everyone for next Tuesday. So seniors reserves and all 19s will be training together. Oh, wait, good. Yeah. Let's get back to results. The 19s who hadn't, the 19s Blues, let's start with, who had not played football in a very long time, unfortunately, with lockdowns and buyers and everything else. They came up against some beads Mentone and unfortunately had their first loss of the year. 6 17 53. Some beads Mentone got the job over Mazenod. 7 5 47. It was a little bit of a disappointing one. Matt, you made your way out there, I understand. Yeah, uh, I've got a son playing in that team, so I was lucky enough to go out in, in my official capacity, not be a spectator. And um, yeah, look, the 19s, they play some amazing footy, but they got hit with a couple of big injuries early. So Rob Amendola has done a full ACL, and uh, mm-hmm. he's out. He's out for the season, and you know that'll that'll go into next season. Uh, Christian Brocchio dislocated a finger in the second quarter. So he was taken to hospital. He was at right angle to his body. So the good news is from, with Brocchio's injury, there's no fracture. Um, but their game, uh, and they had Matty Albrecht. He's on crutches as well. So he's torn a ligament in his ankle. So he's a few weeks away as well. So, you know, three inch in, in very influential players. And, you know, Brocchio is probably not as well known as a Robbie Amendola, et cetera. But Brocchio would be an amazing Shut down player, but he's also very instrumental in just you know um, driving the ball forward. He's, he's you know concrete in that in that Blues team. Um, he they notoriously start slowly, um, and and they but when I say start slowly, they they always level peg it with a team that's probably three or four places down with them until half time, and then they basically ease the clutch out and then they just go straight up, you know, the second half, they always run away with it and they, they finish games really, really well. The wind had a, a real significant factor um, being at Mentone on playing on a postage stamp. Um, it's, it's a crappy little ground. Got a great stand, but a crappy little ground and it's hard to play on because it sucks you up the ground and it creates openness when, um, when you don't really... You normally wouldn't do that. Normally, they'd hold their position. If we played some beads on our ground, a very, very different result, I'm sure it would have been. However, they, they, they never, they, they missed opportunities. They over probably overused the ball, um, and yeah, they were a bit rusty. And and you know, speaking to a few of the players, they were actually wrapped to get that loss out of the way to make them a bit hungrier as they head into the final and the pointy end of the season. And, you know, no one likes to lose, but it's one that you sort of think, yep, it's, it's, there's a lot of pressure on you going into finals if you're undefeated. So, um, Might you know, sharpen them up a little bit. Absolutely. And create a bit of hunger and desire, et cetera. So. And do yeah. you, you've obviously got a good insight. Do you see some players in there that will emerge into the senior ranks over the coming years? Oh, for sure. For sure. You, Sean Wellsford, uh, Probably step in now. Zach Fisher, um, Fletcher Ford is going to be, you know, he's six foot six tall and, and has got an amazing leap on him. Um, our job is keeping those guys together. They're a terrific team and they, they, they've got a really strong camaraderie and bond. And I think, you know, they, you know Jordy McDonald, um, 
will be a, I think a few new, a future senior player for us. Ethan Sherlock, you know, six foot two or three, he's going to be a future senior player. Um, uh, yeah, yeah there, there's a number there that will, you know, Mitchell McCarthy, Lockie Stewart, they, Andrew Kovac, for crying out loud, he, he's a ready-made replacement for Simon Hall. When Simon decides to retire, Andrew will be ready to step into that senior role. So it's going to be a really, really good transition for those two. So, um, yeah, there's plenty there that can step into senior footy. And, you know, I hate that old cliche where our senior, you know, the future of Masnod football is in great shape, but it really is. And, uh, you know, our job is as a committee is making sure we keep those players. Absolutely. It's exciting. Yeah. And might maybe inspire a few of the older guys just to hang on that little bit longer to, uh, to play with that next generation. Absolutely. Absolutely. We don't want anyone to, get to leave. We want them all to stay around. Yeah. I'll tell you what else was inspiring. And that was, actually hearing something about the 19s Blues. That's by far the most detail we've been able to get out of that sorry, team for the entire on. season. No, no, that was um, that, that's literally far, far better than anything we've got if you add up the other 10 weeks in total. So thank you. Great well, to have I a figured, insight into what's going on down there. I figured Shells isn't giving you much because, you know, he doesn't name a best player. He's very cagey. He doesn't want yeah. to give away anything to the opposition, you know, because it is ducks and drakes with him. But uh, <laughs> we, we needed to – I needed to fill you in on a few of those players. So, yeah, uh, cool yeah there's a big future. Absolutely. Fantastic I've got a, a very strong bond with them because I coached them for a few years and they're a ripping bunch of fellas. Like, that's probably the thing I miss about coaching is the camaraderie and the friendship and the – the young blacks, geez, they make you laugh. They really do. Just the stuff they do. Just you laugh your head off at them. They're fantastic. Yeah, well, they're um, they're, as you said, it might be the loss they need to have, and hopefully, it's uh, onwards and upwards from here. The other side, obviously, 19s, While we're on it, that still sitting within the six at the moment, they're in that massive division with 14 teams. Is the blacks? Uh, they also got done on the weekend against Pegs. We went down by 16 points, 6, 15, 51 to 9, 13, 67. Um, it was a little bit of a disappointing one. Did you see or hear much about this one, Matt? I saw uh, I saw our man, Mark Pascuzzi, jagged four, which was just a pretty handy effort from him. And uh, the Nodcast man, Alexander Pileshi, just decided to go incognito and play with no number. So obviously trying to just beat the Taggers by slipping under the radar. Did he actually play? I don't know. He was, he was named. I'm looking at it right now. Him and um, I think him he ran Kurt the Tallis, Really? Well, uh, him no, and Kurt he was Tallis on the, are on the, on the ground. He was on the ground. I saw him. Did you? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my yeah, future yeah. son-in-law is the coach. So uh, Brock McDonald, who coaches them, is uh, dating my oldest daughter and has been for the last seven and a half years. And I wish he'd get a move on. And <laughs> I was going to say, but yeah, just, I was going to ask if future son-in-law implies that you've given your consent for him to oh. pop the question. I gave that about three months after he started dating her. Take her off my hands. <laughs> no, he, he's, he's a ripping young fella. Um, yeah, he, he told me about the Blacks game. He said it was a pretty spiteful game up until halftime. Um, Pegs were probably not playing the game in the right spirit, uh, which was disappointing. Um, they travelled. I'm pretty sure that they were just sick to death of traffic covering all the way over from Keelor. Um, um, but, yeah, he said it was, you know... It, Captain Courageous Chris Pond wanted to put a complaint in about the uh, the opposition and the umpiring. However, um, they said that they, they didn't play well. They He, he basically said that they just uh, weren't on their game, a bit like the other 19s. They just came out of lockdown and and uh, still had a bit of rust on the hinges and, and uh, took a bit of time to warm up and, 
and and probably got a bit um, what's the word intimidated by the, mm. the the rough nature. But they're a young team and they're um, and they're still developing. So um, I think they'll they'll be okay. And they've got a tough game this week against Williamstown, and they have to win this week to remain in contention. So um, if they can beat Williamstown. Um, They'll, they'll, they'll remain in the six, but if not, they, they have the chance of dropping out. So, big game for them. It certainly is. They are, they, Pegs going in were 10th, I think, and only won two for the year. So, obviously, in a very highly contested division, I think where, where six, as I mentioned, I think fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, all on five wins. So, yeah. it's going to go down to the wire, um, but obviously, great that they're still in the mix. Uh, now, we're obviously talking about leading into finals. We had two teams in the weekend that are already playing in the big stuff, and that was the two girls' teams who, um, without kind of getting too much into the spoilers, both got the win on the weekend, which was fantastic, down at Central Reserve, both home finals, both getting the job done. Uh, Deegs, obviously, you wouldn't have been there as a spectator, but um, I'm sure your old man's probably shared a bit about what happened. The the seniors got it done pretty comfortably against old Ivanhoe, 3-6-24 to... Zero three three. Yeah, so um, yeah, f- first final uh, elimination final. So a lot on the line. Um, they're lucky to to play at home um, and came out of lockdown at a good time. So I think they had three or four weeks off before the first final, which is probably not ideal. But both teams in the same position. So um, there again, there was a, there was a pretty windy on the weekend. So. Ivanhoe kicking uh, with the wind in the first quarter and, and um, the the senior back line led by the captain, Aaron Buntard, just managed to keep them scoreless, I think, or maybe a point in the first quarter, which is which goes a long way when you when you stop the, the other team from using the wind. That uh, that helps a lot. And then um, we the girls in the second quarter with the wind weren't able to capitalise. Uh, the ball spent basically the whole quarter in in their 50, but they just couldn't kick kick goals basically with all the opportunities they had. They did they did kick a late one, um, I think, and and took a lead into half time, and then yeah, just similar similar thing in the in the second half. Just managed to keep a keep them scoreless again in the third quarter of the wind, and and then do the damage in the last and. Uh, it was a pretty good game all all round. Flawless, <laughs> <laughs> really. Um, the, the the only the only thing probably the only uh, I guess negative from the game. So Maddie Parlo was was having um, the best game. Uh, what's been described as one of the best games you'll see a girl play. Um, she would just come back from injury, so she was on a mission and was playing an absolute ripper, but uh, broke her arm in in the last minute or two of the game. So I don't think she'll be back this year. Um, although she's pretty tough. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't be surprised if she ran out with a, with a cast on the arm the or something. Uh, I don't know. Is that, is that allowed? Probably not. Um, Get a ruling. We'll find out. Yeah. So she was, she was unbelievable all day. And, um, yeah, a few other girls. Kat Newman played a ripper. Tiani were a Pizzito. We've spoken about a, few, a lot this year. She was very good. Um, Claudia in the middle was very good. And Adele 
Curley, who had an injury but played just up forward all game. She was um she was pretty handy up forward too and, and kicked a a really good um banana sort of running away from the goals and 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 iced the game for him. So yeah, on onwards to next week. I don't know who do, do you know who they're playing? Some they're playing in St. Beads. Mm. Okay, so the, the seniors you talking about? The seniors, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's an exact reverse. So the Rezies are playing old Ivan O and the seniors are playing some beads. And are they home games this week? Were they neutral grounds for the prelims? Trevor Barker, Oval. Trevor Barker, okay. And that will be a Saturday, I'm guessing? Yeah, the girls, uh, the Rezies kick off at 9am and then the seniors are at 11. Oh, okay. Ooh, okay. Mm. Some, some good memories good. down at yeah. Trevor Barker. The, the obvious, the ones to beat, obviously Aquinas, they beat St. Bede's Mintone pretty easily. I think it was... 40-odd points in the weekend. So, obviously, they're going to be the the ones to beat if we can get to the grand final, but great to be down to the last three. And then the other one, of course, the Rezies, as we mentioned, also getting the job done. That one was a little closer. They came up against St. Bede's Mentone and 2-5-17 to 1-5-11, although I will comment that the one five, sorry, the one goal kicked by St. Bede's was probably the last minute of the game. So, Ripper, too, shot from outside 50 that just kind of got over the back and dribbled through. Had a great view of that one, but um, yeah, it was a it was a pretty comfortable lead for most of the day, and the margin probably is a little flattering to the opposition, but still, yeah, great for them to get the job done. Georgia would be happy, Dees. Yeah, very happy. She um she was celebrating and yelling all game that um she's lost her voice, so I think we were going to try and get her on this week, um, but we had to we had to go to the backup, Matt. Maddie, <laughs> we had to swap them, swap, swap the weeks around. So, Georgia's got no voice. She was celebrating too much and and too excited. Um, however, not having a voice doesn't stop her from giving me a summary of the game. So, um, she's she's written that to me. So, Catherine uh, Seftudis, she's she's told me how to pronounce that as well. So, she's been saying. Um, how good a celebration is going to be uh, when she finally kicks a goal. She's been saying that for two years. She kicked one in the first quarter, uh, a ripper on the run. Um, she didn't really tell me how she celebrated. So that's, I guess, yeah, a bit, a bit strange. Punch yeah. I thought you were about to <laughs> say that, that the celebration so... was going to be 100 pots with, with Wales. <laughs> Got to work on your delivery, Deeks. I'm just reading what what I've been told. She's how good a celebration is going to be. Straight off the auto cue. The first goal. That's it. There's nothing else to it. So, Ron Burgundy. (laughs) (laughs) It can't can't have been that good. Um, So, but she did what all good forwards do, and she ran straight to the bench. Did she? Yeah, rotation. Yep, rotation. So she came off for a hydration station break. Georgia's got a maybe you should maybe you should give the the summary. <laughs> oh, I was watching the Rezies. I was there. I was we had a daughter playing, so I was watching. It. Okay, mind yeah, you though. We I, 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 well, a, I didn't know who who she was that kicked the goal. I know her number and I know what she looks like, but I didn't okay. know her name. There's a lot of girls <laughs> there that I don't know their names. All right. Well, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll say what Georgia's told me, and then and you can give your your thoughts. Okay. After that, no worries. All right. Yep. So, a few names I've been. Um, Sent so Ollie Dodos, Laura Backhouse, uh, Monique all in the back line. Um, 
creating pretty hard wall to, to break through for the opposition team. Um, Caitlin Wellsford had a really good good game, um, kicked a really nice goal. Uh, and Elise had a real captain's game in the middle and, you know, putting her body on the line, which D'Angelo is unknown for um, and, and t- intimidating the, uh, the opposition. So she was very good. Um, and like you said, the St. Bees only kicked their, their goal with 30 or 40 seconds left. Um, it was supposed to only be 30 or 40 seconds left, but apparently the timekeeper fell asleep and the game extended out for a bit longer, um, which is a bit interesting in a final. So, um, But yeah, pretty comfortable win, like you said, Steve. Any thoughts on that, Matty? Yeah, well, she's missed out some key can key factors. Dakota, who's in the forward line, is is laid on one of the greatest bumps of all time and put the girl into the middle of the next week. Completely legal, but the umpire said too rough. And oh. she's paid a free kick against her. And and the fact is Dakota would have kicked the goal, so it would have been another goal up. And then because she sort of stuck the hands out to question it, 25 metre penalty. Oh. So you know, it, the, the old Something the old umpire. The I think he, I think he thought he was umpiring netball because they weren't allowed to touch him. So, oh. I think they were. Uh, I think there's some beach girls thought they were dugongs and protected species, and uh, <laughs> you know, they were they were well and truly looked after by the umpire. Our girls, uh, you know, were, were, I thought they did a, a magnificent job, and uh, you know, and they had 20 players out there, so there were two old blokes that were playing for some beach. <laughs> so they've done a great <laughs> job. It's like you're reading Deeds' rundown because that's usually Deeds. Like, be careful, Deeds. You might be on thin ice, mate. Deeds might be on thin ice, mate. I might take his role. <laughs> it's great to hear Dakota Thompson just wreaking havoc. It obviously sets us up well for next week. The other one. I saw just get their name in the best. Matt was Laura. Just pretty handy game from her as well. Yeah, Laura's Laura's a pretty good defender. Take, takes after her father. He's an outstanding defender as well. And uh, and uh, I'd like to meet him one day. I reckon he's a great bloke. But anyway, um, <laughs> he's trying to marry uh, you off. But uh, look, no, he's pretty good. No, nah, Laura's uh, Laura's a pretty good defender, and she's you know holds a player to account. Um, and you know she's sort of she's played a lot of competitive representative basketball, so she likes to be that intercept player. So she um, sort of just gets herself into a position where she can intercept the ball, and you know she goes okay. I call her the Nugget. She does pretty well. So <laughs> <laughs> Very good. She's good well, I, she has got I, a good as, nickname too. What's the nickname? Oh, she's her mother gave her the nickname as a baby. She was called Lucci, and she's been called that ever since. So, Lucci. yeah, okay. yeah. We, we, we were uh, we were searching for girls' nicknames a couple of weeks ago. So it's good to good to hear they're yeah. continuing to come through. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, the Resies play against the oh, uh, Ivanhoe, not old Ivanhoe, just against Ivanhoe uh, at Trevor Barker on Saturday as well. So. Looking forward to that double header. Now, Rob, you've had four weeks to come up with our next segment, so I'm sure this isn't going to disappoint. It never does, Steve. And um, I actually got a little bit of feedback last week from someone that's been trying to track us down during lockdown. A very unhappy Corey Martino, Spress. He was dirty that Spress didn't get mentioned in week one of the nicknames. <laughs> he, he thought that it should have been 
uh, yeah, up the up the very front. So he was a bit dirty on us, um, and he was a little bit dirty about our our tracksuit gag that he got the free tracksuit from Eastern Rangers. So apologise, Corey. You're doing some fine work in a voluntary capacity down there. So keep up the great work, and it's good to see you playing reserves on the weekend. Um, and your nickname is one of our favourites. So. Don't worry about that. But this week, uh, I think everyone's been mesmerised by some of the feats of our, our great Olympians over there in Tokyo and um, really immersed themselves in the Olympic spirit. So I thought that we'd, we'd sort of go through our current playing list and, and just sort of speculate a little bit about who who would probably, if they hadn't committed themselves so fully to Mazenod or Collegians Football Club, may have got there as an Olympian in um, various pursuits. So there's a, there's obviously a few obvious ones off the top. Um, Dale Grant, for instance, Barrel um, was actually an Olympian. I made, I went to, to swimming in the Paralympics. Lockie Mann um, was in the same training group as the great 800-meter runners, Jeff Risley, a Mazenod boy, and also Jeff Peter was a Mazenod Old Coles player as well, played 19. Yeah, played under-19s in a losing grand final with you, Steve, I think. And um, Peter Bowl was Lockie's training partner who's about to run in the 800 metres final in Tokyo at the moment. So he'd be probably an obvious one to start with. And then you've you've got um, Pooch. So Pascuzzi, he he was a gymnast as a, as a young fella. Um, I, I understand that his preferred apparatus was the vault. So um, he, he's someone that I understand probably – had to make the decision between gymnastics and, and footy pretty early on in the piece. And luckily for us went for um, footy, but you see a little bit of his gymnastics prowess every now and then when he sort of um, swivels and turns and pivots in the forward pocket. And obviously one of our favorites here on the, the Nodcast, Butchie had a, had a very, um, very successful career in little athletics in the, in the throwing events javelin, shot put, discus, and the hammer throw. So we were fortunate enough that he put those aside eventually and um, decided to commit to footy. Anyone else that you guys have sort of come across that you know that probably would have been in Tokyo if they if they'd gone down that path? Yeah, I've got I've got a couple. So no no evidence sort of really on this, but I, I feel um, Ben Riley would be really good at equestrian and and I'll tell you why. So back in, in year eight, Maznod days, they they take you to they take your horse riding for, for one of the days. I'm I'm sure you know all about it, Rob. Um, yep. Ben back in year eight was was three foot three max, just one of the smallest kids going around. And they I remember vividly, they usually save the, the largest horse for the smallest kid. So I'm pretty sure Ben got sat on the, on the biggest horse in, um, out of all of them. And they got on like a house on fire, just started trotting around. Ben is uh, giving a little kick and jump over a little rail. He was, he was all over it. So Bit that of dressage. Yeah. Um, that's, that's one. I've, there's also another one. So... Not playing this year because he's got um, all all these different types of injuries. But Lockie McInerney as well, he he won't be a hurdle Olympian. Um, and if you want to know why, there's some video evidence. He was a back in school. He was a 
they had the the sport, the athletics day, and and he was representing Masnod against the other schools, but he was just a backup. So didn't have a specific event. He was backup. Emergency. Emergency. So whoever was whoever our hurdler was uh, pulled out, and Lockie got thrown into a hurdle final. <laughs> Came last by forty five meters. <laughs> and uh, and if you see the hurdle, the hurdlers at the moment, you sort of you're sprinting and you they jump off one leg, one leg goes over, the other leg <laughs> follows. Lockie was running up to it, double leg hop over each one. Um, <laughs> It took him. It took him about three and a half minutes to run hundred meters. So there's some very good. There's some very good uh, video footage of that. I'll try and get my hands on it. So if anyone, if anyone wants to see it, I'll shoot me a message and I'll I'll try and get it out there. Um, well, then a, a couple. Of, just a couple of, before you move off, Deegs, uh, Lockie McInerney. It could have been yourself. My, my memory is a little hazy on this one, but another one that probably wouldn't be competing in an event would be uh, golf. And I, because I remember a video doing the rounds a couple of years ago that won some competition for, yeah, was it the worst right. tee off of all time? Or? It was, it was, um, it was called the Victoria's greatest golf hack. That's right. Competition going around. You win about seven grand worth of stuff, whole new set of golf clubs. Um, they were going to film him getting lessons and watch track his progression and, you know, it was a bit of marketing for the, for this um, store. And I, I was playing golf one day and I just decided to video him because Lockie can, some of his golf swings are just atrocious. And I got this ripper sent it in. He won the golf hack was going to uh, do these, these lessons. They were videoing him. They ended up stop. They ended up just going cold on him. Didn't, didn't message him again. Didn't go, that after a couple of lessons, they just thought there's no help in this guy. <laughs> not going to be a good endorsement for their for their shop. So I think well, that's you get ghosted by your golf coach. That's when you really <laughs> got problems. Yeah, I think they were hoping for for major progression, and it just wasn't happening. So, but yeah, he still got a he still got a few of the clubs. One club did get stolen one night. Um, but that's I probably can't say that story on on the podcast, but. Again, if you want to hear it, come and ask me. I'm happy to tell you <laughs> off the record. <laughs> um, yeah. Did you have any other takes? Well, there's a couple. Of, like, I think Pecky would be a good high jumper. Um, yeah, he's long. He's got the long, frisbee yeah. flop. Don't know. There's a few. of I saw rock climbing going on earlier. Didn't know it was actually was I, funny you mentioned rock climbing because... I was talking to Sam Michael tonight and he was saying that one of, you know, if he, if his plan in life is to become one of those, you know, sort of um, Silicon Valley types that, you know, spends all day sort of working the nine till five in sort of a creative pursuit, maybe doing some coding or something for Google and then spend his weekends out at um, Gethsemane and doing some bouldering and, um, you know, spend the nights out into the stars. That's what he was saying he sees his future. So I hope I hope that's the case. Maybe Joshua Tree on the weekend, that sort of thing. So I'd see him in the rock climb. I could see him really commit to that. Um, and I know just another one I, well, I can jump in. I reckon I could see the, the Riley boys getting into the canoeing because I understand they've taken a real interest in um, the journey of Jess Fox, our um, wonderful gold medalist. So they've, they've been following her journey quite closely, I believe, and 
um, even even going as far as messaging her on Instagram to sort of get some insights about how to, to control the canoe. So um, I reckon those two probably maybe by the next Olympics in Paris might have their skills ready to go. After the weekend, I think uh, Jack Caspers might have been trying out for the high jump. Uh, he, he tried to replace Deegs with the mark of the century, but he was doing it at every opportunity it went forward. Oh, really? And, yeah, and I, I think you guys have missed the big one, which was the chisel. He was actually oh, in yes. contract negotiations with the uh, the boomers. However, because the <laughs> uniform wasn't what he needed, he actually pulled out of the race and said, oh, I'm out. So, you know, Jackson D'Angelo. No, no, yeah. it just didn't, didn't match the outfit. So, you know, he's a man of style. Well, going on the weekend's exploits, Simon Hall could find himself in the the Greco-Roman wrestling next next Olympics. He had a he had a he had a three round bout with um, one of the Ivanhoe players. He 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 they were going for it, healthful leather, and it was interesting because Hawley's uh, we spent a fair bit of um, time on his feathers this year, but he um, he actually went for the samurai setup, um, you know, with the sort of long out the back with the little ponytail up top. And um, he was a little bit worried going into the game that might, they might cop a little bit of abuse. And, but he got on the front foot. He, he bagged his opposition player about the undercut that he was wearing. So, um, and then they went for it, hell for leather. So, yeah, the last samurai got a uh, maybe in the Greco-Roman wrestling next Olympics. I was thinking as well, mate, I know you mentioned um, Jacko D'Angelo before, but maybe Mitch and Jacko, bit of tag team wrestling or Something like that. They're pretty fiery <laughs> customers as well. They practice it enough. So yeah. <laughs> Anyone in the third, Steve, that got some Olympic talent? Well, Steph Davis, as we know, is the VAFA's strongest man. So I think would would do all right at the weightlifting should he decide to put the goal kicking away and focus on Olympic pursuits. Um, there's a there's a guy, probably not a super well known guy. Um, outside thirds land, but um, Michael Pecora, who we talk about a little bit on this podcast, very, very handy BMXer back in the day. And I think would have would have been very stiff, probably not to be representing Australia in the freestyle BMX particularly. He was one to always be down at the skate parks, year nine, year 10, doing all sorts of Benny Harners and other types of trickery that he'd learn off Tony Hawk skateboarding. Um, Mitch is he Selleck. at that stage, Steve, where he could actually do a flip with the bike and let the bike go, like our gold medalist oh, did? Yeah, I don't know. I, I um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure. I, I, I know there was there was some moves that looked pretty handy though. He had the um, you know, those sort of what was it the the mongoose with the little pegs out the side of the wheels, and he'd sort of just he'd roll into school with his lunchbox on his back, and he'd you know sort of do a mono down the street down Kernot Avenue. He was um. It was pretty cool and, and definitely had some moves. Um, Mitch Salek is one that, again, probably not super known to the current crop of players, but played a number of years ago. He's a, a very, just a very feathery, smooth-moving type guy. I think the rhythmic gymnastics would be something that would really suit him, just the way he sort of gets around, waving a few batons and things like that. I reckon would go right up his alley. And, of course... He, he would have put that to good use because he got married on the weekend. So um, big congratulations to him. Obviously missed our last game because of it. But um, and, and this is probably one more for the rumours section, but also has an appetite for stardom, which I think would, would suit him well on the Olympic stage because his wife's TikTok video has apparently hit, you know, close to a million views or something. So anyone that 
understands TikTok and go check that out. That's what Mitch tells me as of about an hour ago. So um, apparently that's going pretty well. So here's a couple. Um, I, I don't think we're a super team of athletes, though, so probably you're not going to see too many of us on the Olympic stage in the athletic type events, probably more the shooting or the archery be, be our sort of real house. Absolutely. What about, I was thinking, I've heard rumours, I, I don't know, can you confirm this for us, Rob? Jimmy Egan, bit of a fish, some sort of swimming event he might be good at. I reckon. I reckon he'd probably be more the uh, the water polo type. He's got those. Uh, he's got those yeah. thick. He's got those thick sort of legs that could do the the egg beater. Um, I reckon. I reckon under the water, he'd probably be pretty keen to throw his weight around and um, you know get up to a bit mischief. So yeah, I could definitely see that. And former player Stewie Inglis would be. He'd be a great water polo player with that physique if he could swim. Um, he wasn't known for his swimming. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's true, but um, had the body for it and, and the, the sort of the attitude. But um, he wouldn't need a, he wouldn't need the um, the what's what are they called? The cap to make him yeah less, swimming cap less yeah swimming yeah. cap yeah less resistant. He's he's got the bald head. He, I reckon he'd be a rower. I reckon Stu just like sort of he's you know triangular with the massive arms, very and massive shoulders, and then his very skinny legs just sitting in the boat amongst the other eight guys just. Yeah, I don't know. I reckon, I reckon rowing might be his forte. Yeah, one one other good. one that I would call out, and this is another former player, but uh, Andrew Weeks, um, very, very keen sailor. And um, were he not lost somewhere in the Atlantic at the moment on a boat, <laughs> he probably would find himself at Tokyo, I reckon, because he um, he knows his way around a vessel and has done a bit of, bit of amateur sailing around various parts of the world. So I'm sure he would have slotted in nicely. And I reckon um, in the... From what I understand from the, the female program, there's a number of surfers and, and skateboarders. There's sort of that sort of pretty cool, um, understated sort of vibe going through that that team a little bit. So a couple of surfers, a couple of skateboarders probably. Deeks, can you confirm that? Definitely surfers. Like I've already mentioned Pecky for high jump, but we know that he wears his, um, his surfing strap-on hat to footy <laughs> training. So I'm assuming that he goes... Goes down and are the Charmin surfers? Um, yep. No, it, he thinks he is. But Jake, Jake, yeah, Cal's better than Jake, and Brody's better than the two boys. I think Jake's a bit of a cheat. I think he's got the twelve foot foam board. I mean, you could you could set up a couch on those things and they won't tip off. Um, <laughs> I think so. He's a bit of a fake fake surfer, but. And are you Deegs? Are you do you get do you get in the surf every summer? I was too good at it, Rob. I, I got bored of surfing. Um, I just don't understand it, mate. You get you stand up, you surf it all the way back in, and then you got to paddle all the way back out. So, um, not really for me the swimming, swimming and uh, surfing. But actually, I reckon I might have seen your brother down at the surf digs. Is that is he a surfer? Yeah, he got he did get really into it for a while. So it does help because he he bought all these surfboards, but now he doesn't really. Use them that often, so because he's, he's the I'm much he's the younger, much taller, yeah, um, skinny. So I don't have a, uh, yeah, so when I want to go, I've I've got to I've got to brave the cold. I don't fit in <laughs> his wetsuit, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they aren't very forgiving, are they, Dukes? No nah, wetsuits. Yeah. yeah, I think uh, I think Jeff Hugel sort of said it, <laughs> made everyone think twice about putting it. Um, 
a wetsuit on after some of the shots of him after later in his swimming career. Yeah. It's probably a nice little spot to segue into our weekly whispers because um, I think we've had four weeks and I, I don't know about you guys, but I've, I've definitely had a few trickling their way into my inbox. Um, Matt, have you got anything for us? So as the president, as the, uh, the man at the centre of the club, I'm sure everything comes past your desk. So anything that you can share with the Nodcast listeners tonight? Uh, unfortunately, my whispers are generally facts, so <laughs> uh, which is not really whispers, but uh, oh, you mix it up. <laughs> I'll just, yeah. I'll just, first I'll time just for give it. Absolutely. So uh, uh, we may be looking for a new venue to train over summer. Ooh. So um, the college, the rumor is that the college are having the oval reconstructed. So we may be looking for a new venue. Uh, to train over summer and there may have been some conversations around that already so mm. we're waiting to hear back oh, when you like say that. reconstructed are they um obviously they're going to go with like floorboards or concrete yeah. like, what are they yeah, replacing yeah. the grass with no so they're actually going to model it off uh you know what, what do they call it eddie head or marvel stadium so oh, they're going to nice. put a concrete base down three inches of sand and then just straight turf so that'll yeah. be outstanding and, and yeah so Get, so it doesn't get as spongy, but the real people that are going to suffer from it's the cricket club because they've got to find a complete new venue for the entire season. So um, anyway, that's only a rumour. We don't know if that's true or fact or not. But Yeah, that's know. interesting because they, they only resurfaced a couple of years ago for the uh, it's a Asian Cup soccer. So, mm, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that's it's the an odd shape. The surface is fine, surely, but the shape is a little bit odd. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what they're doing with the shape or anything. Deuce, it's just you know. Um. <laughs> I, I, so, I know there's a, a few people who are just, just Matt Johnson right now is just getting in his car and driving down there, making sure his grandstand's not touched um, in any of these works. I can bet. Well, I, bet I reckon there could be a few of my colleagues down at the college that if they get wind that they're going to resurface it, that they'll get their pitching wedges out. I know Joshy Mewling will probably be straight out there to. Feel that that he's he's allowed to work on his short game if they're going to rip up the turf. He's not he's not popping lob wedges over onto the freeway, is he? Uh, I think they try and avoid that, but you know, there's, there's always people trying to have a bit of a swing out there. Uh, very good. I, I've got I've got one. Um, I've got a couple actually, but one, one that um, it's a bit of a double whammy because. Um, they come from the same place. So the first one is we we touched on the uh, the girls' resis and I've, I've got it on good authority that um, there's a looming retirement this week or next week whenever they lose and that's um, Narelle Davis is apparently ready to uh, pull the pin and is just not too sure if that's been too widely circulated amongst the team, but I think she's just holding that announcement for maximum effect is they're either celebrating a premiership. You can't, you can't go with that. I'm, <laughs> I'm going with it. It's, uh, it's, it's what I'm hearing. Apparently someone's read her diary and passed it along to me. So I'm, I'm, I'm sharing it with our listeners. That's the first one. Um, and then the second one, which, which is a little peculiar, but it's come from the same place is actually that there's an American podcast that's been referencing us in in, in recent weeks. So they, they do a bit of an AFL podcast over in the US and apparently they've actually given a bit of a call out to the, um, to the Nodcast. It's called A Yank on the Footy. Um, so if anyone out there wants to check it out, apparently they, 
they, they, they might have got their facts a little wrong because they, um, uh, you know, not, not completely wrong, but I think they referred to our whole club as the Panthers, um, obviously getting us a little confused with the uh, part of our club, which is the Panthers. But, um, yeah, he gave a, gave a shout-out to us on our last last episode. So it is great to hear that we're going global, um, even if they can't quite get the facts right. And um, anyone wants to check that out, get onto that one. So, yeah. Ooh. Interesting. Well, I, I've got I've got a little whisper, and I, and I, I think you might know this one, Steve. Um, but you know, this time of year when we're approaching finals, players sort of start to make pledges to the team and, and pledges to themselves about how they can get in the best sort of shape. And and you know, I I, I know from me oh, that you know this time of year you sort of cut back on your your alcohol intake and you do your recovery and you do all those little extras. And um, there's a player in the reserves that has been. Um, had a stellar season, really, really dominated from the get-go. And, Favourite um, for the BNF from what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah. And he, um, unfortunately, um, you know, carrying the team all year, sort of under the weight of that, um, injured himself just before the, the lockdown and, and has been sort of recovering. And he's taken it upon himself to do everything right. And he's he's been a little bit conservative with his comeback, but he, he's on the way back. And, and part of that recovery has been a pledge to um, eat a little bit more healthy, get all the proteins in, um, cut back on the, the bad fats and the carbs, and 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 he decided to not eat any um, takeaway junk food um, between uh, today and um, the the final series. So that the play, you know, wanted a bit of accountability. So I spoke to a few of the boys and said, "This is what I'm going to do," um, but. A notification went through to his phone today. I hear where you get um, you get a free uh, five dollar cheeseburger meal um, if today only, and messaged the boys and asked if he can start tomorrow on his no junk food pledge. So I can't I can't confirm who this player is, but um, as I said, had a stellar season. Um, real notable figure in the reserves, um, looking to to get a little bit fitter before the finals, and looks a lot like Liam Sherlock, but isn't Liam Sherlock. So I don't, I don't want to say any more, but I'll let you make your own um, assumptions about who it may be. Interesting, interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is not true at all. I know who that's come from, though, and. Um, it's it's come from Jake Charman, obviously, and he he messaged me tonight. So he, that he's obviously talking about me. I've started the diet. Um, he was the one that posted these McDonald's buddy. I don't know. I don't have the app, but apparently, if you download the app, you can get cheap cheap McDonald's. He posted in there. Um, I just said, "Can you just not? I'm trying to do a diet. <laughs> Too tempting." So he messaged me out of nowhere, saying, "Keen to be on the podcast this week," and I said, "You've already been on. Um, we're already set. We've already got someone ready." And he's like, "Nah, just give me ten or fifteen minutes at the start. Um, I just need to stand up some of the accusations I've been copying all season, and then I'll leave." <laughs> and I said, "No, nah, you're not coming." I don't even know what accusations he's talking about, but. Um, He's obviously pretty keen to, to get back on the podcast and he's, for a change, sending in weird rumours and whatever else. So. Well, I don't Close blame you for eating Macca's eggs. I, I would eat Macca's every day. No, I'm genuinely, I've genuinely stopped that. That's, that's, that's genuine. 
right, well, um, I, I have another one, and this is a really, um, I, I, I really enjoyed this one. Um, we talked about, or you brought him up earlier, Deeds, and that's Dylan Tilly, who is just a, a cult figure and a man who gets around on a Saturday with his fat wallet and his gold chain around his wrists and neck and his Red Hill football club attire as he's team managing the thirds. Um, during the lockdown, and I, I'm not ashamed to say this was probably at the lowest point of the lockdown when we'd just gone in, we had missed a week. So for us uh, in the thirds, we'd realised that the games missed meant we weren't going to be able to qualify for finals because we'd missed some key games. And everyone was feeling pretty flat. And one of the most heartening and inspiring things I've ever seen, and not, not because it was particularly, you know, inspirational or positive, but just because it was highly entertaining, was just you log on to Facebook and there's Dylan Tilly bartering with someone over Facebook to buy an excavator. And that's, <laughs> that's it just a, he's, he's in, in the comments just back and forth. Oh, yeah, I'll pop into the showroom tomorrow. How many cases are done? Kind of, you know, oh, is it a 30-cylinder or whatever? Tilly and the, the thing that um I think of, can I can I interrupt you, Steve? I think this is with former yes former yes player. yes it is uh, yeah the thing that took it another level former <laughs> Premiership player um, Jack Carroll Jack Carroll so yes I love that I love that I don't and know. did he did he ask to pay cash was that negotiated into it don't know I think the two of them just took it into a into a uh, private chat room somewhere or, or might have done it in person once the lockdown was lifted. But um, so, so the whisper is that Dills Tilly may or may not be rocking up to presentation night in an excavator. <laughs> <laughs> in the three-piece suit and the doves flying over his shoulder. I can't wait. I've got, that uh, I've got one more whisper for you. There was a recent poll on on an AFL Facebook page about give us your best excuse for not attending training. And there was one of the coaches or former coaches of our club who actually put up a comment about one of the players and it was he couldn't attend training because he was celebrating his one-month anniversary with the with the Dales. And, yeah, one month. And uh, it was pretty impressive, you know, one month. However... That was three years ago, and the relationship is still going strong. So he's he's put the hard yards in early, and uh, the fact is, is that, that comment uh, got the something like seven hundred likes from the amount of comments, and it and it streaked ahead of any other comment. So it was amazing. It won it won the rally. So uh, it was a pretty pretty impressive comment. Our um, our 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 full back Michael Rice um, dating your daughter. Maddie and and was that about three years ago and one month? Is that, a, that is that roughly the timeline that we're looking at? No, no, it wasn't. It was an under nineteen player, right? Okay, and and a favourite of you blokes. Oh no, no, not not the hamstrings, Pulaski. Oh, oh no, hamstrings, <laughs> <laughs> Kept his, the coach kept his the coach kept his name off Facebook, but geez, I tell you what, I got some pretty good likes. Oh, that's, that's fantastic! So <laughs> <laughs> I remember that story. I could not remember who it was, but just the one oh, that's brilliant. And, and, and of course, his his girlfriend's now playing at the club as well. So I was going to say a double well, excuse. Absolutely, but the fact is, you know, Louisa, he's put the hard word, uh, hard yards in. 
And, uh, you know, it's going strong. So good on you. And love is great. Yeah, you've got to celebrate <laughs> those little victories. Yeah, I wouldn't do that to Ricey. Poor old Ricey. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's actually just actually, he and Amelia have just bought their first house. So they're doing oh, all right. Yeah, yeah, so good on them. Yeah. He's kept that quiet. He's kept that real quiet. No, that yeah. was that was circulating. That was circulating tonight. I hear um, there's going to be a, an absolute rager uh, one night to, just to to warm the house. But yeah, it'll be uh, every bring your own screen and play a game of cod with them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic! I love that. Just before we finish, just uh, just quickly want to mention the Toyota Good for Footy raffle and how important it is for the club. It doesn't cost us anything and everything that we do sell, um, we get every cent of it. So it's really important that the you know every team gets on board. We've done a really good job. We're actually leading the VAFA at the moment, but I've set them a target and we're close to hitting that target. We need the, the 19s boys to actually get on board and start to buy a fair few tickets because they're probably... Um, the area for the most improvement. And then uh, we'd love the seniors, you know, and, and it's just a matter of sending a text to your, your whole group um, and your whole, all of your friendship groups and uh, spreading that love around and making sure that the nods get every cent we can. So, but mate, I look forward to the nodcast every week. Um, I love listening to it. I love hearing the stories and keep it up. You guys are doing a great job. So well done. Thanks, Matty. Appreciate you uh, coming to the party and, and joining us on the Nodcast. I'm sure it's been a uh, it's it's been a fantastic experience for our listeners. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Well, uh, probably good spot to wrap it up. So, um, Deegs, Rob, good luck as your seasons continue this week. Good luck with the uh, the Macca's hiatus, Deegs, and the return from the hamstring injury. And uh, yes, we'll uh, do it all again next week. Awesome, awesome. see you, boys. Thanks.